Yesterday, I was chatting with a friend who's recently become a first-time mom. Her baby is just turning one, and she told me, I've really let myself go. She described how she hasn't been to the gym since her pregnancy, how she's enslaved herself in service of her baby, and how she hasn't been out with her girlfriends in months. If this is you, I'm going to share a mindset shift that will help you break free of the victimhood and enslavement parenting and learn how your child will benefit greatly from this shift as well. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi, I'm Avital. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know there are so many other things you could be doing right now. I'm honored to be taking up a little bit of time in your day, and I promise I will do my very best to make it worth your time. I am a mindful parenting coach. I'm the mother of four, and my goal is to help my fellow imperfect, intentional parents get over any chaos and clutter and conflict that's really bringing them down in life, and instead reclaim presence, peace, and play for their families. So what I usually do is I do a lot of research. I try out the ideas on my own family and with my clients and in my memberships. And I share the thoughts um, that are working and that are interesting with you and allow you and trust you to make your own judgments around those ideas and what works for you. So if you have left a review over on iTunes, I just want to thank you so very much. And if you haven't, please go and do that. I can wait. Go ahead and shout out to Waverly2013, who said, every parent needs to find this channel. I knew I wanted to be a positive parent before my son was born, but I had no idea what that meant. Finding the parenting junkie was a godsend. Avital is the perfect guide to all things peaceful and positive. Listening to her newest episode is the highlight of my week. Waverly, reading your review was the highlight of my week, so thank you so very much. Now, if you want the show notes to this episode or to any other of my podcast episodes, or if you want to leave me a comment about it, I would love to hear, just head on over to theparentingjunkie.com forward slash podcast and find this particular show. Leave me a comment. I will be reading it. I will be responding to it. And of course, you can share this out with your friends. Just uh, snap a selfie or grab a screenshot and tag me at Parenting Junkie when you share this out in your stories. I love connecting with you guys over there. So thank you so very much. Okay, so back to my friend. My friend who is in her apartment, cleaning nonstop, feeling totally overwhelmed by motherhood, feeling like she's lost herself since she's become a mother. Because here's the thing, I think so many of us feel this, right? Many of us feel like we need to sacrifice ourselves for our children, right? We say to ourselves, my children are my whole world, or my kids are my life, right? I've said this, I've felt this. I think there's a very noble side to this, right? This side of the the maternal sacrifice that we make where suddenly when we become a mother or a father, our children take a place in our lives that's greater than anything that's come before them, including our own selves. And we would lay down our lives for our children, right? We would. I'm sure. I'm sure you listening would probably, you know, jump in front of a train to save your child. That's what many parents instinctually and naturally would do. 
The question here is, even though we would give our lives to save our children, does it make sense to sacrifice our lives not to save our children, just to live with our children, right? When our children are in no danger, do we need to make sacrifices um, on the day to day? Because as many of you who listened to my episode about burnout, and if you're experiencing this, I refer you back to that episode. I strongly recommend that you listen. But when we are burning out like this, when it's not that we're jumping in front of a train to save our children, it's just that day to day we're sacrificing our general well-being and even our happiness in order to whatever for our children, clean up after them, cook for them, take care of them, then we burn out. And when we're burnt out, when we're kind of a shriveled version of ourselves, what we fail to model to our children is a whole life. We fail to enjoy the process, right? We're failing ourselves in many respects, right? We put all of our expectations onto our children to fulfill our happiness. And frankly, Not only is that unrealistic because another person can't ever make us happy, but it's also way too much pressure to put on a child, right? When we parent like this, where our children are our whole lives, like we have nothing else outside of our children, our work doesn't matter, our bodies don't matter, our friendships don't matter, our hobbies don't matter, just our general sense of well-being and washing our face in the morning doesn't matter because now we're a parent and parenting means sacrifice. When we parent like that then we're likely to get depressed when our children leave home, right? Or we're likely to take it personally when they hit seven or eight and they start to prefer their friends over us. Or we might find ourselves in absolute shock when our children actually repeat our patterns of self-denial. When our children grow up to be self-sacrificial, right? When our daughter grows up and when she parents her child, she's suddenly a shell of a human being who doesn't take care of herself. Huh, oh my goodness, where did she get that from? This, this girl that I sacrificed everything to bring up to be happy and healthy and strong is suddenly sacrificing everything when she becomes a mother? Wherever did she get that idea, right? I don't mean to sound sarcastic at all. I really mean we genuinely get that shock as though it wasn't staring us in the face all those years because we're so close to the problem. So when we parent in this way, we often cling onto our children. We we latch onto them rather than them latching onto us. We attach to them and then we can find ourselves without any intention, using guilt to get our children to stay or to get our children to obey, or to get our children to be grateful and to want to be with us. Suddenly like, what, you don't wanna be with me? What, you you make me so sad, right? You're my everything, I give everything to you and you're running off with your friends or you're moving to a different country as an adult or you're you know, spending hours in your work or with your boyfriend or whatever it is you're doing and suddenly, My role is called into question. My worth as a parent who gives everything and sacrifices everything, I'm suddenly left feeling like, what did I do all of that for? Don't you want to reciprocate? Don't you understand what I've given? Or we might find ourselves living life vicariously through our children. Like, well, I gave up my career and my happiness and my health and my sports and my friendships. So now you have to really enjoy all of those things or really excel at them so that my sacrifice is meaningful, was worthwhile, right? You have to make my sacrifice 
worthwhile by achieving greatness because then it was worthwhile, right? Were you maybe on the receiving end of this pattern? Were you a child of someone who sacrificed a lot for you and then had very high expectations of you? I know that children who grow up feeling that way usually wish their parent did neither, neither sacrifice so much for them, nor held such high expectations for them and lived vicariously through them, right? This is kind of this overly involved, overly enmeshed, attached parenting style where we give everything and we expect quite a lot in return. We don't want to admit that, but we do. We expect gratitude and we expect, you know, loyalty and we expect to be cared for and we expect company and we expect praise from our environments. Like people around us, our husbands, our mothers, the teachers should notice what self-sacrificial victim mothers we are. And, but of course, we don't use those words. We think to ourselves, they should notice how much I give, how depleted I am, how little I sleep. You know, I saw this dynamic in art school. I went to art college, and when I got my degree in design, there was almost this competition among the students who had slept the least, who had drank the most coffee, who was working the hardest, as if your design on the wall, like the work that you produced, would somehow reflect your sweat, blood, and tears. As if if you worked harder for it and you sacrificed more for it and you made yourself more pitiful and, you know, more sad than your work was better. And it just wasn't true. Those people who lived healthy lives and went to the gym and didn't give their be-all and end-all to their art actually produced much better work in most cases. So just as a side note, it's kind of this uh, fallacy that we tell ourselves that the more I sacrifice, the more I give, the more I deplete myself, the better a parent I am. And then inevitably we find that it that we're disappointed, that our children aren't grateful enough, that, oh my goodness, children grow up and move away and have their own lives and have their own friends. And all of our sacrifices may or may not lead them to be the next tennis star, right? Or the next Einstein or whatever it was. Those correlations don't usually really hold up. So what's it for? What are we sacrificing for? Now, don't misunderstand me when I say sacrifice. I don't mean the sleepless nights and the, you know, on-demand feeding that just goes with having a newborn for most of us, right? But the question is, are you going to stay in that frame of mind over the years, right? Newborns, yes, we hold them a lot. We nurse them a lot. We co-sleep with them, whatever it is, right? They demand a lot of our physical uh, energy, frankly. But Seeing as most of us have a tendency to fall into that deeper and deeper, what I'm inviting you to do today is to actually put on the brakes, to balance that out with the opposing point of view, which is a question about this uh, sacrifice. Now, I'm not suggesting that we swing all the way to the other direction, which is the parent who is completely self-centered. You might know someone like this, or maybe one of your parents or a parent-in-law was like this. Most of us know someone who is narcissistic. Maybe they even could be diagnosed with destructive narcissistic disorder. And this is someone who always puts their own need first, their own needs above and beyond anybody else's. Their own, gra their own grandiosity is very important to them. They want everybody else kind of to be in service of them and praising them. And surprisingly enough, they often still feel like a victim 
right? They still always feel wronged. Like if you have a parent or a grandparent or a mother-in-law or someone in your family who feels like they should skip the line or they deserve special treatment or they should get more respect or more praise or more accolades and rewards and more money. and But on the other hand, they always feel like they're being cheated, like they're being stolen from, like they're getting the short end of the stick. Um, they might be narcissistic. And by the way, if you do have someone like this, especially a parent in your life, I highly recommend the book Children of the Self-Absorbed. Um, because... Often, adults who were parented by a narcissistic parent find it incredibly difficult to find a sense of self and boundaries and understand where they end and others begin and where the end of their responsibility towards their parent is. What happens with parents like this is that they engage in reverse parenting. They expect the child to parent them, right? They are not sacrificing themselves and bending over backwards to give, 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 give to their children. Instead, they are demanding that the parent lives, breathes, behaves, dresses according to their needs, to the parent's needs, right? They might be cold and calculated or even unmoved, just unmoved by the children's needs. Like the children are crying or the children are uh, hurt, their feelings are hurt or they need something. But this parent says, well, I can't do that because I have something else on my agenda or, yeah, but your feelings don't matter. And then they'll do a lot of kind of gaslighting or stonewalling or just turning away and ignoring the fact that their children have needs too. They literally cannot see it because they're narcissistic, right? And they see their children in service to the parents' lives, right? Like carrying on the family business, for example, you know, not that that in and of itself indicates narcissism, but a narcissistic parent who has a family business might not entertain any alternative option that other than you must carry on my legacy. That's what you're here for, right? You have to live out my expectations. So in both cases, the parent is controlling the child, right? Or the parent is viewing the child as in service of their needs, in a sense, right? Because the act of parenting is viewed as such a magnified part of the parent's identity. Okay, for the first parent, the sacrificing parent, the victim mummy, right? It's about self-denial in the service of the child. So this mom is actually gaining her sense of self-worth by saying, I am worthy because of what I sacrifice. I am worthy because I give everything to my child. Because I am a servant to my child, that's my value. And the second parent, the narcissistic parent, is using the child as a tool for self-magnification, for grandiosity, for glory. Like, look at what my child achieves or accomplishes. It's because of me. It's, you know, my child. I'm proud of them. I'm the one who gave them those genes and opportunities and bestowed upon them so great, you know, so grandly and so generously their lives, right? In both cases, the giving isn't free. The giving isn't truly generous and it's not unconditional. It's not unconditional love. The first parent who self-denies and, and sacrifices and 
turns themselves into a shadow of themselves at service of the child, thinks that they're giving unconditionally. But if we give too much of ourselves, there is most definitely a condition. The condition is that we get recognized or that we get something in return, like company or care, right? Or the condition is that we can then complain. You know those parents who they give more than they want to give, but then they get to complain. Oh, I was up all night slaving away on your science project. Oh, you make me do this or that for you. You make me spend more money than I have on you. Or you make me work to clean your bedroom because you won't do it. That's a parent who isn't taking responsibility for their behavior, who doesn't have healthy boundaries, right? So... Let me introduce you to an idea here, which is all about parenting from a place of wholeness. We talk often about raising a whole child, right? Kind of treating all aspects of the child as important, their bodies, their academic development and intellectual pursuits, their social and emotional health. We see the whole child. We want educational systems and pedagogies to relate to the whole child as a feeling, being, as a human being, as someone with a body, as someone with a mind, as someone with a social context. Do we relate to ourselves as such? Are you ready to relate to the whole parent? So I have three thoughts for you on this, okay? How can you treat yourself as a whole parent and kind of untangle ourselves from this role of parenting as our core identity. When someone says to me, I'm first and foremost a mother, and side note is, I'm sure I've said that before too, uh, you know, being a mother is my whole identity. I, mm, I don't want to say worry, I get a little tingling of concern around how that truly translates for that person and for the child, for the relationship. Number one that I want you to think of is nourish your whole self. I know it's not always possible. You're not going to get many petties every day. You're not going to be doing yoga seven times a week. You have kids, you have a life, you probably have a job, you're busy. I get it. But we know children need to be nourished on many levels, right? We know their bodies need to move. They need to be nourished emotionally, socially, academically, spiritually, right? Are you even trying? Are you even attempting to give yourself that same treatment? Are you trying to nourish yourself on many levels too? And one of the things that I want to remind you of and kind of give you a a kick in the tush around this is what we model for our children is the curriculum of childhood, right? You are the curriculum. So if you're not nourishing yourself on different levels, if your children aren't witnessing the fact that, yes, you make time for your religious practice or you make time for your writing or for your knitting or for your gym or for your racing or whatever it is that you like to do, then they're not witnessing an adult who lives a whole life. And that's what we want to our children to do, right? We don't want children to grow up to be a shadow of themselves and just continue this cycle of self-sacrifice from generation to generation. We want children to witness adults who are able to, yes, give a lot, be very available, be very loving, but also know when to set a boundary and take care of themselves on all different levels, physical, emotional, health, spiritual, etc. 
My second thought for you is, can we replace the word or, or for my Americans, or, with the word and, right? Sometimes we ask ourselves, well, what should I focus on? My children's happiness or mine? My child's health or mine? My child's education or mine? Integration happens when we focus on and rather than or, right? Both of us are worthy people. Remember, you were someone's child too. You had someone who so wanted for you to be happy and healthy too. So don't sacrifice your life at the altar of your child's life. Instead, look for integration. Look for what happens when we say, can we focus on our happiness, mine and yours, my health and yours, my education and yours. And my third thought for you is, can you begin to look or continue to look to create an identity outside of parenting. Hobbies, careers, your marriage, your friendships, your health. Parenting cannot actively be your main identity for very long, even if it takes up most of your time. And this might be surprising coming from the parenting junkie, but this idea of I'm first and foremost a mother And it's a badge of honor in our culture, right? And it's honorable, and I get it, and I feel that way too. But if we put so much stock in just being a parent, then we don't allow for our individual identity outside of our children to be maintained. And we have to take the long haul view here. Even if you're taking a break from your career or a break from your hobby, or even if your children are absolutely the main focus of your day and they take up 95% of your attention, I want you to look at the 5%, and hopefully it's closer to 20%, of other things that make you who you are. Because think about the long-haul view. Kindle those identities, those 20% of your identities, on a low fire. Keep them alive. Because children grow up pretty quick. And that's not a sentimental statement. It's just the truth. I mean, within five, six, seven years, your children are going to be very independent. And then 10, 11, 12 years, they're really not going to have that much needs from you. And by the time they're 15 or 16, I mean, hopefully all being well, they're going to be almost adults. And whilst I very much hope and believe you'll maintain a very close relationship with them. The fact that you are their parent will no longer be the same kind of level of identity as it is when they're babies. And this isn't a bid for you not to cherish the moment and live in the present and, you know, enjoy them while they're young and stay home with them if you can and do all that stuff if you want to. I think you should. Great. It's just to say, don't neglect who you are. Don't say, well, that person died the minute I became a parent, and now this is all I know, this is all I care about. I have baby on the brain 24-7. Once you move past that initial kind of baby moon and that fourth trimester, and your baby starts to differentiate over the year or two, um, their first year or two of life, then you can also start to regain 
or maybe rebuild or rediscover part of makes you who you are that is separate from your parenting practice. Think about your your vocation. What work, what meaningful work do you want to do in the in your in your life, right? Or your avocation. What are your hobbies? What are things that you enjoy? What's your art? Think about your spiritual practice. Do you have a religion that you're passionate about or a spiritual practice like meditation? Think about your physical development. What would you like, what goals would you like to set for your health or maybe games that you like to play, team games, sports, the gym, yoga, surfing. Think about your emotional growth. How do you want to grow as a person? Think about your intellectual pursuits. What do you want to learn? What do you want to master? What do you want to create? Think about your relationships, maybe your marriage, maybe your friendships. How do those areas of your life, you know, hold for you over the next few years? Remember that those are the things that are going to sustain even after your children are grown. And yes, you'll still have relationships with them and you'll always be their parent, but you may not have your whole identity based on, you know, fixing breakfast, lunch, and supper anymore. So isn't it worth holding on to ourselves in many ways? And doesn't that model for our children something that we want them to see? Now, it might feel like there are so many areas of personal growth as a parent that it just feels overwhelming. And so next week, I want to show you how you are making progress already and what you can do to spur yourself on when it feels overwhelming. All that and more, same time, same place, next week. Thanks for listening to The Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste.